Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. Hello and welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. Darren Mitchell here. I trust you are enjoying a very, very productive week. Today, a very, very special episode. I am blessed to have with me a gentleman from the other side of the world. In fact, right now it is Wednesday afternoon, if not an evening. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. E.A. Solkovitz. How are you, E.A.? Thank you, Darren, for having me on your great, great podcast. And uh, we were joking about earlier that uh, I'm actually talking to the future. So <laughs> I, I, I need to I need to get a DeLorean, uh, buy a flux capacitor and make sure that my car can get up to 66 miles an hour. And I Absolutely. think I can, then we'll finish with the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and we're trying to work out where, where the hell could we buy one of these? I'm not sure whether Amazon has them in stock or not, because I think Jeff Bezos might have used them for his uh, transition into into space a couple of weeks into ago. Space. And, and, and the new thing, you know, that I guess they're, they're wanting to... Put up some chips there now, and that can are going to beam advertisements. No kidding, <laughs> no kidding. Advertisements no and bulletins. I know. I just thought, oh boy, you got to kidding me. I'd the so much frontier. rather look at a, so much rather look at a star. Oh, absolutely, than, absolutely. Sure. Sure. So, yeah, hey, really, really appreciate you jumping on the podcast. Thank you. Um, thank you, thank you. Uh, I want to give I want to give the viewers a bit of a, a bit of a background. First of all, uh, you've got a very very extensive background uh, in business. Uh, and you've been around for a while. I'm not going to reveal your age, but you've been around for a while, which says you've got some wisdom, you've got some experience. Uh, but I'd love to, um, if I love if you can give us a, a quick uh, dissertation of your background, because I do want to deal delve specifically into the fact that you've been a, a patriarch and a founder of the Givers University since 1991. So I'd love to delve into that, particularly from a, a take on giving what giving actually means but before we jump into that um if you could be so kind as just to share a little bit of your background to give some context to the listeners that'll be greatly appreciated happy to do so uh, uh and certainly regarding the age um i'll just give them a hint um i've just celebrated the uh 44th anniversary of my 21st birthday <laughs> <laughs> so uh you do the math that puts me at the big six five and uh and, and going strong i'm just getting warmed up just now. getting That's started just getting started <laughs> right yeah 65 is a new 50 and I, and I like because it seems like each year they you know ratchet those numbers down so as i get older and older it seems like they're the 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 the, the new part goes down and down so i'm good i i think i'm in age regression now for as far as i know but, so uh, I, I'm certainly happy to share with your listeners, and 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 I've been very very blessed with meeting just some um, having some amazing circumstances, um, and I and I don't believe in chance or luck, and and you know I think these things happen for a reason, and and I'd like to be able to share those because I think they would be um, th there's lessons sort of woven through each one of them, no matter what background they come from, and and certainly I, I you know I, I think sales is one of the most honorable of all professions. And I think a sales leader is because true ones are servants uh, and they have a servant mindset and a, a giver mindset uh, and they're great communicators, you know? Uh, and, uh, and that's a good thing. And hopefully we'll be able to share some uh, uh, important insights with, uh, with, with some of your listeners and things I've been able to learn in the past. Yeah. Um, I was originally, uh, I was born in Chicago, uh, you know, that's sort of central US. 
Uh, I live in Michigan now, but the first 30 years of my life, I was in Chicago and lived in an area that uh, was uh, the greater Oak Brook area. And uh, my father was a milkman. You know, uh, when I was five years old, he used to go out on the route. So pretty humble, but, you know, upbringing. My, you know, I, I, but it was my first sort of thing. And I, and I think this is important regarding sales and sales leadership. My first sort of touch with getting on with it and being a self-starter was at the age of five because my father used to say something over and over again. He had his own route uh, yep. for Twin Oaks Dairy. He had his own milk truck. Back then, milk came in glass gallons you know and uh there was you a had to box put your glass out yeah 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 but yeah and they had we a had box that in outside the as well <laughs> they, did you have milk boxes that uh, outside uh, the house we had i think we had crates i remember i remember having crates and my mum and dad would put out milk bottles in the crates near the letterbox yeah. and the milkman would come past and i even remember this is and i'm i'm a little bit younger than you but i i still remember it there was a horse and cart because the the dairy was so close to our house, so they actually yeah. still used a horse and cart to bring the milk around, which was um, which it, it just it it defies logic now because you just go to a supermarket and buy milk. But back then, different different times, for sure. And you know, one of the amazing things was you know, and, and in the U.S. they had uh, a box, basically a crate like that to it. And some houses I remember had crates, just like you're yeah. saying. But you know, the amazing thing, uh, Darren, there was always money in the box for the milkman and you know no one and i mean no one ever touched it not one single part not one time did we ever have money missing you know there'd be a note in there with some money we'd like some yep. you know that we had half and half and milk and some eggs and juice and that kind of thing never money missing certainly different at times right totally. uh, but that was a humble bringing but my father used to say the same thing when i'd go with him and help at five years old he would always say uh well when we're done we're done and uh, and so and, and he didn't punch a time clock, yep. you know, I mean, he had his own route, one man operation with his route and he'd get up at three in the morning and go, you know, uh, break up ice with, uh, uh, you know, it, 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 an ice pick. And because the, the only the big 18 wheelers had refrigeration, not the mm. delivery trucks. Right. Yeah. So it was very humble upbringing from that standpoint. But I did learn about you need to get on with it and you don't have to have someone over your shoulder telling you, go do what you need to do, mm. you know? And so that was sort of, I guess my first thought. And then ripe old age of 16. I don't know if you wanted me to go that far back, but at, at, at interesting stories, nonetheless, um, maybe not for your listeners, but they're interesting for me. The, uh, the, first, <laughs> the first thing that uh, I, at this ripe old age of 16, I decided to go out, take my first steps in becoming success. And it was also sales. Uh, and that was to become a janitor. Okay. Now, I didn't mind being a janitor because business was always picking up. What? Anyway, so what happened was, <laughs> that one sort of delays, right? I always help people out because I want them to know it's okay to laugh at me and with me. That's either. right. I'll, I'll, I'll go with both. I I'll do that all both, the time. You know? I'll go my with wife, both. You know? my, my wife often says to me, um, you're, you know, the, you're the only person that's laughing at your own jokes, but you know what? I still do it anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I did too. You know why? I had one time I said something funny and no one laughed. And I always swore after that, at least I would. So at least <laughs> I had funny. one person laughing, right? So I totally relate, Derek. Totally, totally relate. And uh, so here I was, you know, becoming a janitor, but I had two really, really profound events happen at 16 years old. The first was um, I was able to be bonded at 16, which means insured. So I could be in expensive places. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so if my buffer went crazy and, you know, hit some piece of equipment, insurance would cover it. That also allowed me to be in really expensive homes. 
And one of the homes I was in every single Wednesday cleaning was of a lady. And when I say the name, it won't mean anything to you until I make the movie reference. Okay. I was in this lady's house. Her name was June Martino and it was a million dollar house. She had a full-time maiden butler. And uh, if you ever saw the movie and I was in there every Wednesday, uh, if you ever saw the movie with Michael Keaton, it's called the founder. Yes. He plays, he plays Ray Kroc and it's about yep. McDonald's. Right. All right. Uh, in the movie, He's always talking to a lady outside his office, June this, June that, June that. That lady is the lady whose house I cleaned. Wow. And uh, so every single Wednesday, I was cleaning June Martino's house. That was her name. And I want to say, first of all, the movie is very Hollywood spin. Uh, You know, I mean, they they painted Ray in a way I knew he was not that way. I lived the McDonald's phenomenon. I lived in Oak Brook where the world headquarters was for decades. Right. So I I witnessed this whole phenomenon. The Displains franchise, the first one he opened, I must have we must have went by that 150 times because that was on the way home from the milk route. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, so I, I remember seeing it and they put, you know, one million burgers sold on the sign. And now they didn't put the numbers, but I thought a million burgers. That's wow. crazy. So anyway, so here I am. And I had it was very it was astonishing to me because for some reason there and I don't know why I'd always thought in my mind that to be successful and prosperous, you had to be a jerk. You had to be me only oriented. You had to be me first oriented. You had to be the first one that says it's only business. Uh, you know, I mean, and for some, I don't know why I had that picture. I mean, I don't remember anyone painting that for me, but it was in my head. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe it was just a rationale as to why I had such a humble upbringing. I don't know. But either way, when I met June the first time, I was shocked at how she was exactly the extreme opposite. So nice, so approachable, never condescending to it. She had made in butlers there and full time never condescending. Um, if I, I was there to buff the floors because used a special buffing pad on the floors and clean the swimming pool and the garage, by the way, loved cleaning the garage because in order to clean the garage, I had to pull out the car and ah. Rolls Royce. Wow. So here I was, Darren, 16 years old, sitting in a car that's 10 lifetimes of my income. <laughs> and, and I, and I would go home at night and my car I drove at night was a Rolls can hardly, which rolls down one hill and can hardly make it up the next. So here I'm driving my Rolls can hardly at night and I'm sitting in a real Rolls Royce, right? But it, I thought, you know, I'm looking at her and I, I would, I was fascinated by this woman. I, I knew who she was. Everyone knew in the area, Oak she was an icon already at that point. When I met her, she already had the third most controlling stock in McDonald's, uh, st- you know, um, corporation. So I, I was just amazed. And I thought, you know, She's not a superhero. She's not like an alien. I don't see any superpowers or anything. In fact, she's the exact opposite of what I thought someone who was really successful and prosperous should be. And uh, so one day I got up the courage and I mustered up all the courage a snot-nosed 16-year-old could muster up. And I'm going to go ask June Martino, the icon, a question. So I went up to her and my janitor, I was shaking in my janitorial boots and I went up to her and I said, uh, I said, hi, June. And again, very approachable said, hi, you know, I mean, she knew who I was. I was in there every Wednesday. She knew who I was. And I said, uh, can I ask you a question? She said, oh, sure. You know, I'm just so nice. And, uh, I said, uh, could you tell me about it? She said, what? And I said, well, the whole McDonald's thing. I'm not kidding, Darren. She put her arm around me, brought me in the kitchen. I'd asked her in the morning and the entire day. 
told me the entire story. And if you remember in the movie, she was working for Ray when he was a milkshake mixer salesman before he met the brothers. Yeah. He starts the story there and goes through the whole thing up until we're literally in the kitchen together and everything in between. Wow. I mean, and, 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 I'm, and, and that's why, you know, certainly because I witnessed it myself. The, the movie was certainly it was based on certain events that did happen, but very Hollywood spin and drama all over the place. You know, that kind of yeah. trying to make it interesting. Right. Uh -huh. uh, but anyway, she does reference something in the movie. And you may remember this particular segment because she told me about it decades before the movie came out. There was a time she said there was no money to pay us. We were out of money. She says, I kept the books. I took them to Ray and showed him there was no money uh, in the movie. She does that. And that perpetuates a phone call for Michael Keaton to call her brothers. And they have a drama argument. I need more percentage. I need more percentage. I don't know if you remember the scene, but she references that to me. And she said to me, she said, so I agreed to keep working for him with no pay. She said, I had, she said there was no money anyway. So she said, and, and we made an agreement that instead of the money, he would give me stock worth less than zero company stock. And he would agree to take some of the bill collector phone calls. And I, so I just simply asked her, I said, June, I'm a janitor. I work Friday to Friday. If I don't get paid on Friday, I'm not showing on Saturday. I That's need it. that paycheck. I live paycheck to paycheck. Why did you do it? Darren, I'm not kidding. She sat back in her chair and did this eye lock on me and left the room while she stared at me. I could tell I, I had just this snot no 16 year old had just asked her a question. No one ever asked her before. Everyone to know what happened with McDonald's, what happened, what happened. No one ever asked why. Yep. So when I asked her, why did you do it? She actually left the room staring at me for about 10 seconds and seemed like 30 minutes. And then she spoke. And when she spoke, it made the hair stand up on the back of my neck. I remember Darren, not only what she said, the way she said it and my instantaneous thought after. And that was when I said, June, why'd you do it? She replied and said to me, because I believed in Ray. And I remember my first thought, Darren, was, mm. that's it. Yep. I need to find me a Ray Kroc because it certainly didn't work out too bad for her. I'm cleaning this million dollar house. You know, this is not a 16 back then. And I already told you the math on my birthday. So that was a <laughs> long time ago, you know. And uh, so here I am and I'm thinking, that's the answer. You know, I, I knew I, I didn't even know what I needed to know. I didn't even know the questions to ask. I didn't know what, but I just knew that was it. I needed somehow to find a Ray Kroc that put me under his wing, just like he did with her. Yeah. And I thought that's the answer. So I foolishly, impetuously did one thing right. And it was inadvertent. I didn't know I was doing it. I just did it. And I just sort of threw out there. Where's my Ray Kroc? Where would I find him? And I never said, I'm not going to find him. I automatically assumed I was going to. Yeah. And, and I just, and, and so I inadvertently asked the right question. Later on, my business mentor taught me one of the things he taught me, and this directly relates to sales. Everyone wants the answers. And he told me, people live backwards. They yeah. all want to know the answer. What's the answer? How do I do this? What's the answer? He says, wrong, 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 wrong. He said, we need to ask the right questions. And a, an astute salesperson and a very astute sales leader has learned how to ask 
the right questions. And they'll always lead them to the right destination if they've crafted them properly. Totally. And so in my business, and so inadvertently there, without even knowing, I didn't know what a mentor was. I didn't know how to spell it. I, you know, I spent all my hooked on phonics money. So I didn't know what in the world a mentor was. Or, you know. <laughs> so, so, it, so, and so inadvertently I asked that question. Then it wasn't even like, I don't know, maybe three months later at the same janitorial service. The reason I had a job there at 16 years old, because the boss was a friend of the family. So that's why he hired me at such an early age. Yep. And so he gets a phone call and it's after hours. It actually was about this time, as a matter of fact, except Chicago time at that time. And uh, he gets a phone call and uh, answers the phone, puts down the phone. It was after dinner. I'd already punched out. It's just him and I in the office. And uh, he says, well, that's some guy in from Detroit. And uh, he wants to see some carpeting. And he's opening a diamond store. They're doing a big rebuild and he needs carpeting and he needs to see it tonight because he's leaving, going back on a plane in the morning back to Detroit. I said, okay, uh, what's that got to do with me? He said, well, I need you to go. I said, I'm not going. So we're going to count, Darren, how many times I say no, directly relatable to the sales process. So, so, so I, so first time I say, no, I'm not going, right? I said, Jerry, I, the name of the owner of the janitorial service. I said, I'm tired, man. I've been cleaning all day long. I'm exhausted. I've, I've already punched out. I'm not going, right? He says, I need you to go. You got to show him this carpeting. I said, Jerry, no, I'm not going. Second time I said, no. I said, you know, I don't know how to bid out a carpet job. I can vacuum it. I can shampoo. It. I don't know. How to, I've never bid one out before. He gives me, he says, well, take this wheel. And he says, walk this way and this way in the room, measuring wheel. And he said, call me on the phone. I'll give you, I said, Jerry. No, I'm not going. Forget it. I'm just not going. Third time. I said, no. All right. Now he says this. Here's what he says. I'll tell you what. If you go, I'll give you your pick of any Saturday off you want. Wow. Now, for a janitor, see, we work when businesses are closed. So Saturday yes. morning to night, we're cleaning. So I wanted to make sure my ears didn't get tricked. So I repeat it back to him. And I say, any Saturday I went off and he sighed and he said, yeah, any Saturday. So, okay, Jerry, I'll go. So I'm throwing the samples in the back of my rolls canardly and I'm off to meet this man. Now I set in the stage for your listeners. I don't want to go. I'm physically exhausted, mentally fatigued. I don't know anything about carpet. So I'm about ready to do something I've never done before. So I don't want to do that. I'm hanging out there, right? In my mind, I'm sort of hanging out. I'm going to meet a guy from Detroit. Seriously, Detroit, you got to be kidding me. You know, I mean, so, and, and, and I'm not doing this for my boss. There's only one reason I'm doing this whole thing. The day off, right? The Saturday. Day off. Yeah. That's the only reason. Little do I know. I'm getting ready to meet the man that will change the trajectory of my life forever. I'm getting ready to meet my Ray Kroc, mm. the man who will become the father I never had, even though I had a father and I became the son he never had, even though he had a son. And I have said no to it over and over again. So I say to your listeners, for those in sales, for those that are in sales leadership, be observant, mm. be aware for those small little moments in time where there was no, 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 that are seem to be balanced on the thin edge of a dime. They're so insignificant. Yeah. That later on will become this huge life-changing event. So I go in and I meet this guy and Darren, have you ever had, 
Have you ever had the feeling where when you met someone, your comfort level was so high that you felt weirdly like maybe you'd already known them before? Have you ever had like you just you just feel like you've known them already? It's a it's an interesting question, and it happen it happens a lot. Not not all the time, but there are certain people you do come into their environment, and they do they do put this give you this feeling, this sensation that, you know what, there is something here that we, we must know each other. We've we'll crossed paths or that there, there is something there. So absolutely. And it's just, yeah. a, just an ease and a comfort that you, you can have a conversation with somebody and you do, you just feel as if you know them. Yeah. And it's inexplicable. You just sort of feel it, you know? Yeah. You and can't, you can't necessarily language it, but it's just, it's just this sensation. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so for two hours, we talked about everything and anything and the carpet was a no sale because he wanted really plush carpet for this diamond store. And all we had was commercial office stuff. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm throwing the, throwing the samples back in the rolls canardly and he offers me a job. What do I do? I say, no. So I say, so I, I say, I said, yeah, cause you no. got to work Saturdays. This is the fourth time I say, no, uh, you know, I, I'm showing four, like the listeners can see it. Sorry. I realize we're audio and but I'm, for you anyway, I'm showing four. And uh, so, so, and he says, and I said, listen, I don't know anything about diamonds. I said, and he said, well, I'll teach you. And I said, no, I, I don't know. All I know about diamonds is that number one, they're expensive. And number two, someday a woman's going to ask me for one. That's all I know. <laughs> and he said, they said, well, come on. He says, I'll teach you. And I said, no. So now I've said no five times so far. As I'm walking out the door, he hits me with a phrase. And it's a sort of a question phrase. And, and I didn't, he knew this was going to get my goat. He knew this was going to grind me. And I didn't know at that time there. And I genuinely was talking to a genius in the puritanical sense, not the IQ baloney. Cause I've always believed that IQ stuff is baloney. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and because it has nothing about application and application is where it's at. It's not about what, you know, you know, yeah. and I've met a lot of it. I've met a lot of educated idiots in my life. A lot of them. We'll we'll get to the university. I'm not saying you've got those in your university. (laughs) I've met a lot of them. You know, all his book knowledge and theorem and have zero application skills, right? And uh, no no ability to implement. So so as I'm leaving, and and I'm talking to this guy, and I didn't realize at that point, he's he's a genius in people. You know, I mean, real genius IQ his IQ was in people and he could talk to you for 10 minutes, look into your eyes, pierce into your soul. And he got it. Right. So he knew what he was about to say was going to get my goat as I'm walking out the door. He says, and I even remember his tone. He said, what do you have to lose? You could always go back being a janitor. (laughs) So I said, no, the sixth time and left. Wow. I said, no, I'm all set. I'm a janitor. My future's all set. People can make a mess and I can clean it up. I can get a job anywhere. Right. So that's it. So I'm driving home. It's getting my goat. I'm linking about in my mind. It's going over and over in my head. He knew it would. And I'm thinking, you know, what's he mean by that? You know, I, well, yeah, I, I could always get a job anywhere else. And, you know, what's he mean about, about that? Like, you know, like, what do I got to lose? Yeah. What do I have to? So now it's almost midnight, by the way, because the phone call came in the office after dinner. Right. Yeah. So it's almost midnight. So now I'm like miffed and I turn and I said, you know, that's it. I'm going to find out exactly what this guy, what he meant by that. So I turned around at the eyes already gone. It's already, you know, it's almost midnight. He's going to get ready to go back on the plane. He's still there at the office. I said, okay, what do you have in mind? And we came to an agreement for the next four months. I got in my car at four 30 in the morning, Friday night, Saturday morning, drove 
six hours to from Chicago to Detroit, 301 miles to be exact. I did it so many times. I remember the mileage Yeah, and, and met with him for six hours, got back in the car, drove all the way home the same day, did that every single weekend in the heart of winter and never missed a weekend for four months in a row. Wow. Now I can share with you that I needed number one, what he had. I needed it. The desire was so high in me and I didn't even know what it was, but I knew he was rich. I knew he was a multimillionaire. I mean, and, and he was happy. Not realizing, by the way, Darren, I even had that backwards because we should be happy first and then rich. But, you know, at, but at well, 16, I'm about 100%. the money, right? Yeah, it's totally. all about the money. At 16 well, that's, years that's your frame of reference. You think, well, that's what success equals happiness. Exactly right. So, uh, so here I was with my mentor and the training began. And uh, he literally... Um, you know, tested me multiple times. And when I was 19 years old is I asked him the question, the question. And at 19 years old, I said, Sam, his name was Sam Robbins. I said, Sam, will you teach me everything? And I mean, everything don't hold back. I want it all. He said, okay, I'll teach you. Mm-hmm. I said, but I want one thing from you. I want to let you know, Darren, whatever you said next, I'm in yes mode. <laughs> I'm totally, totally going to say yes, right? Totally. Said, this is what I want from you. He said, when the time is right, and you will know that time, I want you to teach as many people as possible everything I taught you. And I agreed. So at 19 years old, Darren, I made a vow. I made an oath. I made a commitment that today, is manifest as Givers University and all the things my mentor taught me that he put together that were so valuable. So many things that, you know, and then also I was very blessed with, uh, for two years, I had a radio talk show and I interviewed 1000 millionaires in two years. And the amazing commonalities were astonishing. First of all, in one way or another, every one of these millionaires acknowledged that even though they were millionaires and presidents and CEOs, yep. they all acknowledged they were in sales. Yep. Every one of them. Isn't that and, interesting? Yeah. And, and because it's uh, because what is sales? A key, effective communication and, and, and finding out what they want and genuinely not, you know, nasty or intriguing or anything else, but genuinely find out what they want and then helping them genuinely get what they want or need. Yeah. Uh, what could be better than that than helping people, right? And, totally. and a few and a few things that he taught me is, and as I interviewed these thousand millionaires, that is certainly germane to anyone in leadership, is especially sales leadership in particular. He said the they they said I should say the following: every one of these thousand, and these are one thousand plus millionaires, right? They all, all of them had a time in their life where everything told them to stop. Their friends told them to stop. Their family told them to stop. The business environment told them to stop. Their personal finances and business finances told them to stop. Everything you could think of was telling them to stop. The next part is what's really intriguing. These were people, men and women, all different industries, all different backgrounds. I interviewed them different times, so they didn't know each other. Yet they, interestingly enough, even used the same words many times. And these were the words they said when they were confronted with that time where everything was the bleakest Mm -hmm. and everything was saying, stop, 
do you know they said the following? Do you know I took the next step just to see what else could go wrong? I did it out of curiosity. Did I miss anything? <laughs> you know, you know. I mean, everything has gone wrong. What it was like a morbid curiosity. Is there anything else I possibly missed that could have possibly that could go wrong? I'm just intrigued. And again, they all said the next thing that was interesting. These are commonalities with millionaires. They said, and then when I did that next step when everything told me not to, almost effortlessly, extra easy, and almost weirdly, things started to work out on their own in spite of me. Mm. And it was getting, they said it was, it's things started to connect and we put together and come together. And they said it was almost like temporary defeat had now exited their life and went into someone else's life and said, you know, this person doesn't know when to give up. I'm just going to be easier for me to give up <laughs> Joe's or Sally's life over here. Right. And, and, and these are direct points to what my business mentor taught me. And he said as follows, every, not some, every adversity in life, carries with it the seeds of an equal or a greater benefit. And he said, what we have to do as leaders is we have to, our part is to move aside those leaves and find the seeds because they're always there. Yeah. And he said, and he said, one of the first things you could do, and that's certainly relating to sales, certainly relating to sales leaders, eliminate the word failure, AKA the F-bomb, eliminate the word failure from your life and supplant it with the words temporary defeat because mm -hmm. failure makes it sound too eternal, has an eternal ring to it. It means eternity almost to us. He said, temporary defeat labels it properly because now he said, you're going to get tackled. You're going to get tackled thousands of times. But every time you get up, you're going to dust yourself off. You're going to realize you just got a first down when you got tackled and you're still <laughs> in the game. He said, so he said, so don't throw yourself out of the game by calling it failure. He said, yeah. temporary defeat. Yeah. The next part I'm going to say is going to literally bake the noodles of your listeners and they will think this guy from the United States, we're going to stay in Australia and New Zealand. We're not going to the U.S. because if they think like he is, they have lost their rocker. <laughs> Just give it to us. Again, it was straight from my mentor. And this is what he said. When we really begin to understand the role of the no, when we really begin to understand the role of temporary defeat, when we really start to understand it, that they're always, not sometimes, those seeds are always there. Our part, move aside the leaves. Mm. He said, but we will begin to realize over time that the seeds are exactly what we needed to get to the next step, to get to the up the next step and up the next step. He said, we wouldn't get there without the seeds. Totally. He said, so he, here's the part. Here's the mind baking, bake the noodle part. When we really understand temporary defeat, we will actually begin to welcome it and embrace it. Because when we welcome it and embrace it, we realize we just got delivered the seeds we needed. And as we go through that process, 
and we're not coming from a place of fear anymore. Mm. That's, you know, we're not self-sabotaging all day long because I'm afraid of this and what are people going to think of me and how about this, right? So, but when we're, when we get those seeds and then we can go through that, now we, we're not walking up those stairs of prosperity. Yeah. We are now into a flat jog or a run with our ability to welcome mm. temporary defeat, embrace it, and realize we just got the seeds and the stepping stones we needed that no taught us what we need to do to get a yes. 100%. And if I, if I take that from a sales perspective, because there are so many sales people out there and sales leaders in particular, because they've essentially they've become sales leaders through their experience. And in a lot of cases, they've been really successful as a salesperson. So they said, wow, EA, you've been a great salesperson. I reckon you'd be an awesome sales leader. So I'm going to give you the hands and the keys to the kingdom. And you can now be a sales leader. Just teach your sales team exactly how you were successful. Too many sales people, though, are too risk averse. And they're afraid of failure. And a lot of that's environmental. But what you're saying is 100% true, and it's sort of um, it's it's along with my experience as well. If we can embrace the fact that you know what, not every single customer is going to be qualified to purchase our product, nor will we want to be selling our product to every single person because they don't necessarily qualify. You're going to get a lot of no's. You're going to have to deal with some adversity. You're going to have to deal with objections and challenges. But it's through that that you learn a what works and what doesn't work. But if you use that as a platform, i.e. the sea of an opportunity, you will find the next opportunity. And the key is to keep going, but keep going at pace. And when we talk about failing forward fast, it means, you know what, it's okay to make mistakes. And one of the things I'm trying to teach more and more sales leaders is you've got to be able to create environments where it's okay for your team to make mistakes. Don't criticize them, give them feedback, which then brings the other key point based on your story is so important to have a mentor. Who is your mentor? Who is your guiding light? And interestingly, I recorded a podcast yesterday, and this is a perfect, perfect time. And this, this is amazing how the universe works. I did a podcast yesterday just talking about the hero's journey. And as I'm listening to you share a little bit about your background, you essentially have been and you're continuing to be on a hero's journey because you're in the ordinary world. You've made a decision across the threshold. You went into a new world, right? You met Jane, you met uh, Sam, they became your mentors and all of a sudden you're now paying it forward to other people. So you're now looking for people who are on their own hero's journey, which is, which is phenomenal. And that's exactly what we're here to do is, is give and give of our attention, give of our time, give people, uh, give people the gift of, of value. So that's one of the things you're doing with your podcast, you know, uh, your podcast, Darren is a form of mentoring. And that's yeah. why, you know, your people, people should subscribe and share it with others because it really helps them, you know, provoke thought and to be able to build the right kind of environment. And, and that sort of brings us to really what we teach with Givers University, if I may. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to, um, I'd love to delve into that because I mean, just the, just the name Givers University, it's, um, it's awesome. It's, it's awesome. And it's, and, and we talked before we came on air that um, one of the biggest philosophies I have around leadership and what I teach as many of my clients as I possibly can is all about servant leadership. So it is about giving, giving without any expectation of anything in return, because that's just a transaction. And particularly from sales, from a sales point of view, if we can do that with no expectation of anything in return, guess what? Amazing things are going to happen. It may not be from that direct person you're having that interaction with, but I know that's going to come back. So let's let's delve into that. 1991, um, the 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 Givers University was born. So can you tell us a little bit about what uh, 
what was the key philosophy and what is the key philosophy of, of Givers University? Well, it's actually, you know, again, it's a, a combination of 45 plus years, not only what my business mentor taught me, but also then what was uh, sifted and filtered from these thousand millionaires. And I, I got to say that one of the, the best opportunities were the questions I got to ask them that I had predetermined off the air, you know, so that I, and that was really what it was. I was get to, I was getting to learn for two years solid from people, quote unquote, who had made it right. And they're, yep. and they're different. And, and so all these things, and, and they, they had a direct impact. And, you know, my, my, I was very blessed in business, you know, 21, I became a millionaire. I didn't do that. It was because I just was dumb enough to listen to my mentor um, <laughs> you know, at, 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 at the age of 33 years old was the first year where after I paid my taxes, I had netted in my pocket and had a million dollars left over in one year. That wasn't business income. That was personal income after tax. That At 33 years old, you think that's, and it really wasn't. What it was, was I was, I had the ability, Darren, which I pray so many more people had. Hmm. It wasn't important for me to look good. It wasn't important for me to, you know, I have, to, I don't want them to know that, you know, I can make a mistake or something. I, I just had this ability and I was blessed with, and I don't know why, but for some reason I was able to say, I don't know. Mm. And I was able to humble myself and say, you know, that's really something. Could you teach me that? I, you know, that's really interesting. It wasn't just all important for me to know and always look good and always look good to everyone else. And I, you know, I'm the know-it-all sophomore one. I had no problem. I had no problem dumbing myself up and yep. saying, you know, and, and that was really, I think the magic it was a big part of it was my ability to ask these right people and be humble enough and simply say truthfully. I think when I, when, when I talked with June Martino, I think she sensed, I really did want to know. I wasn't asking because I wanted to get close to June Martino, an icon that was worth so many zeros. I couldn't count them on my fingers and toes. It was because I really genuinely wanted to know. And I think with my business mentor, that was it too. So, you know, when we're talking with people and communicating with them to genuinely genuinely obtain an interest in what they're doing. So what we do at Givers University and from a teaching perspective is actually, I can explain it in a few references. One is, first of all, I say to all your listeners, we love everybody. I say it emphatically, we love everybody. And what we teach is how to separate the person who we love from their deeds, which we may not love. And by observing the actual deeds, we have an actual very granular approach, not broad, innocuous swaths of information that sound so good. But then when you think about it, you go, uh, it sounded good, but what do I do with that? You know, I mean, but I mean, real granular. In other words, we've broken down, Darren, these are the deeds. Look for these, look for them doing these actual things. These are the deeds. And from that, you can begin to decide, should I pull them closer into my life and become a part of my giver's community? Because that's what we all want to form is a giver community around ourselves. Yeah. Because givers always bring with them the three W's of wisdom, wealth, and wellness. Yeah. Or by contrast, because I see them doing certain deeds, should I begin to respectfully, not nasty or rude, but respectfully distance myself? Because if I bring them in closer, Takers always bring with them the three Ds of takers, which are defeatism, disruption, and destruction. Three yep. big enemies for anyone in sales. Yeah, absolutely. So when we so when we build a team, you know, it's like a couple of interviews ago, and I'm 
list. I, you know, I do probably one to three interviews a day. And this one guy said, wow, this is really, really great. I just read a book and the book said, I should have five good people around me. And I said, you know, you're absolutely right. You should. Let me ask you a question. Which five? <laughs> and, like, and how do you identify he, them? I mean, he, yeah. I mean, he, I, all of a sudden I'm staring at these little orphan Annie eyes, you know, just like <laughs> big eyeballs. Like, yeah, I never thought about that. I said, do you get my point? No one's teaching us. And that's why we're the only ones, Darren. And I, I swear I've done 80 interviews since first week, April. Yep. Uh, and, and no one's teaching this stuff. We are the only ones that are teaching how to discern in relationships. Yep. Who should you bring closer? So I ask your listeners the following to provoke thought. And that is. Think about the fires that you stomp out each day. Think about when your stress level goes straight through the roof during the day. Think about when you've had certain conversations and at the end of the conversation, you don't even remember what you talked about, but you do know one thing for sure. You have no energy left. They just drained it all from you. Darren, all three of those things have one thing in common. There's a name attached to them. Yes. And see, I'm a self-improvement guy. I can tell you're a self-improvement guy. It's great. You know, self-assessment, looking in the mirror, getting better, being our best. That's great. Yep. I'm sure your salespeople and sales leaders listening are on self-improvement. But one thing that's not being taught is how about the other guy? What if he's not doing it right? What should I do about that? And so, and how that will impact our lives as a sales leader, what will impact the productivity of a sales leader more than when he has to invest so much time every day, stomping out fires, not of his creation. Yep. What happens is productivity right goes, out the window goes through the floor. or down. Yeah. What happens with a stress level? Oh man, this guy again, you know, I mean, you know, this gal again, stress level goes up. Yeah. And what happens to our energy? We want to have energy givers around us that are giving us energy and we're giving them back. So we teach, Darren, by example, if right now I was looking at you and, and, and I, I noticed that you have, you know, if your eyes were itchy, your nose is runny, from those symptoms, I could maybe discern, well, Darren may have a cold, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm not able to see the cold. The cold is the cause. Yeah. But by the symptoms, symptomatically, I can see and make that determination. Supplant symptoms with deeds. Mm. We have actual checklists that we teach people. Look for them doing these things. Because by being discerning in your relationships, and this works for business, family, and socially, when we look for these actual deeds, our productivity goes up in direct proportion. Yep. When our stress level goes down and our energy goes up. Mm -hmm. So we teach them and we teach them how, if you have certain relationships now, how to over time supplant those. And if you have other relationships coming towards you in the future, how to look at them in the future. Um, I was very blessed in becoming a commercial pilot. And one of the first things my instructor did was he sat me in the plane. He said, okay, I'm going to teach you how to look at planes. And I said, okay. He said, when you look out the window and you see a plane, he said, you always want to see the plane start big. And as time goes by, as you're watching it, you want the plane to get smaller. You never want to be looking at the plane and it starts out small. And over time, it gets bigger and bigger. Because you're he getting said, too close to it. <laughs> you're coming at each other. And it might be 600 knots. This is going to be nasty and it's going to happen fast. Yeah. So what do we teach, Baron, uh, Darren? We teach. The plane, the plane. <laughs> the plane, look at the plane. The plane. 
<laughs> you know how hard that is to anyway. So they, but uh, so we teach people look, look at those things in their relationships, discern these, and from these, we have determined statistically about twenty percent of the population are givers. That means you put them in any situation business, social, whatever, they will figure out in a short time and you will see them begin to start contributing. They'll start giving, investing, helping. They're the first ones to step forward and say, hey, I'll do that. You'll watch it. You can see it, right? By contrast, we have a thing in the US called the Grand Canyon. On the other side of the Grand Canyon are takers, which also represents about 20%. These are people, you put them in any situation, they're wired that way. They will begin to take from it spiritually, emotionally, yep. mentally, financially, go on and on. They have the three Ds and they bring them with them of defeatism. What could be worse than sales and sales leadership than defeatism? Mm-hmm. Disruption and destruction. Not getting the sale, not getting the no, or constantly having to stop out these fires. So, and then the middle, now we have 60% left, right? We have 20%, 20%. What about 60 The 60% in the middle, we call them fencers. Why? Because they sit on the fence. I want to let you know, this is nothing to sneeze at. No, I'm just kidding. So I was just listening. I just put myself on mute because I had a sneeze. (laughs) That's why I had, I couldn't pass up the opportunity. Sorry. His eyes were starting to bulge. I I normally sneeze in threes as well. So just be be Uh, aware. There might might be mute coming up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It was beautiful. (laughs) Couldn't pass it up. Sorry. So the, uh, so, so, the 60% in the middle, because we have 20% givers on one side, takers yep. on the other. 60% in the middle, we call them fencers because they sit on the fence. They act like givers when they're with givers. They act like takers when they're with takers. They can be great relationships. They can be great. Yeah. But you need to keep an eye on them. You need to manage them. And yep. they can be great adjuncts. So when we say giver, Darren, we're, we're not labeling a person. We don't label people. We're referring to deeds, giver deeds. When we say taker, we're not labeling a person taker. We're labeling their deeds. So we have a series of courses, three courses called Give to Be Great. First one's called The Giver's Mindset. Second one's called The Giver's Lifestyle. Third one's called The Giver's Lifelong Learning. And the first one, we teach about the difference in how givers think differently than takers. Mm. And there's a great checklist in that course that we're actually, we're going to actually give the checklist free to your listeners. Uh, and it's a, called the 25 do's. It's actually a two-page checklist of the 25 things, the deeds you can watch people do. And when you see them out of 25 doing like 13 or a little bit more, you can say, oh, that person's a little more takerish. Yeah. I should maybe think about respectfully distancing myself because they're about ready to make me collateral damage if I bring them in closer. My productivity is going down whether I love them or not. That's why yeah. I said in the beginning, we separate the person who we love from their deeds, which we may not love. In the giver's lifestyle, we identify the 30 habits. There's 30 habits you will see takers do habitually over and over again. You can see the habits, they're there, just as simple as can be. And the same thing with the 30 takers, they have the 30 habits of takers. And then the last, uh, the lifelong learning where we talk about the six prisons. People live in what we call six virtual prisons. And we teach them how to have those things because ideally what we teach is predictive, massive, and exceptional happiness, freedom, and greatness. That's what we do. And we do that through Give to Be Great, our our series course and our cornerstone course of everything we teach. That is really a combination of all these things is 45 plus years 
And uh, I have to share, it's such a blessing to be able to share with people um, these things because I watch the relationships get better to life. Think about, you know, we're in this world, Darren, where companies open and close faster than ever before. Yep. Products are being antiquated overnight faster than ever before. What do we have left? Our relationships. And no one's teaching us how to really effectively discern our relationships. Who should I bring in close? And as a sales leader, what could be more important than that? If you're a sales leader, I mean, the picking of your team and knowing what to pick and what to discern and what to look for, not the things you'd find on an application or one of these goofy IQ tests. or the, I mean, these are very granular. Look for them doing these things. And from that, begin to discern and watch how having the right people around you of your own giver community will triple, literally triple your productivity and diminish your stress level and increase your energy at the end of the day because you're not feeling burnt out. Absolutely. And if you do that well, the results will take care of itself. And this is the interesting thing that a lot of, particularly sales leaders, they will sit down and when it comes to recruiting salespeople, they look at the surface level. As you said, it's the IQ stuff. It's the experience they've demonstrated. Have they hit or over exceeded their target in the last 12 months, two years, five years, whatever the case might be, because that's almost like an indication as to whether this person potentially is going to be successful in my team or not. What we're saying though, is if you go beneath the surface and look at what are the deeds, what are the behaviors? How is this person? Are they a giver? Is there somebody who potentially could be a teachable addition to my team? aligned with my own values, guess what? We've now got something that potentially over time becomes unstoppable. And and that's the thing because too many sales leaders in hindsight make too many poor mistakes in hiring. And guess what? They have people within their team who often become takers. And you hear this a lot. My sales target's too high. I I can't close this deal this month because I don't have enough resources or they blame other people. What we're saying is givers don't make any of those excuses. They say within every challenge, there is that sea of an opportunity. I just have to find it. This is but a step in the the ultimate uh, outcome that I'm trying to drive towards. And so surrounding yourself with the right people is so, so important. Think about how other people impact our lives. Every part of it, every part. Uh, and, and now I'll get into a little sensitive area because some of your listeners may be thinking, well, you know, this is really good stuff. And, you know, I got a family member that's being a little takerish. And, uh, and, and, I think and, we, all, know, we all have one of those. Yeah. And, and, and you know, this subject, needs, this, this subject needs to be broached, but I don't want to do it. You know, I love them. I care about them. I, I don't want to hurt their feelings, but it needs to be addressed. What do I do? Do you know that one of the very, very best things that they could do is share a great podcast called The Exceptional Sales Leader? And here's why. <laughs> When they share it, and it really is true, when they share it, it's a third party. All they have to do, Darren, it's real simple. All I have to do is just say, you know what? I heard a really intriguing podcast. They were talking about things that usually aren't talked. And it made me think. It was very interesting. Do me a favor. Listen to it and tell me what you think. See, now, because it's a third party, you never know. It may open their minds. And because if their minds become open, they you may be stomping out one less fire because you were what? A giver. You shared 
Darren's podcast with them. Yep. So I recommend for your listeners, this is a, Darren provides a great service with his mentoring, with the information, having great guests that are on, all that's mentoring and, and as a part of it. And then when you take that know-how and you match it up with your do-how, which implementation and execution, which I feel is the number one mistake. I see business leaders, business owners, they goof up on execution. They yeah. goof up on implementation. And, and it's just a small little bit. It's never, it's never a huge amount. It's a tiny little bit, but that one or two degrees is all the difference in the world. And, uh, and, and that's why it's so important to share podcasts like yours, Darren. And I'm saying this, not just to plug you, but to, to genuinely let them think for a minute that this is a great way for me to give Right, right, right now we have a sales leader that may be listening and need that, you know, my sales team needs to hear this. Guess what? Have a meeting and play the podcast in the conference room. Absolutely. What's Absolutely. wrong with that? Absolutely. And say, you know what? And, and, and let's just sit there and have a business meeting, listen to this podcast, and we're all going to take notes and have a roundtable discussion on givers versus takers and what we can do. And then we're going to give them free downloads. We want them and they can pull them out and use them as a checklist and say, okay. And here's an interesting part. When someone looks through the checklist and the items, there's sort of a mysterious self-assessment part that gets built in because they start to, oh boy, I see <laughs> right there, you know, I see I'm doing that oh, one. I need to my... take a look at that. So this, your, your podcast, Darren, can be a great sales training for any sales leader should right now make an appointment and get their team together and just sit there with a the computer, plug it in and turn on your podcast and listen and take notes and discuss it. What a better thing to talk about the relationships of all of them together. Um, and that's why I think you're providing such a great service. hundred percent. And really appreciate that. And it's, and it's so true. And it's, I think we're so aligned in terms of our approach. And I, I just love, I love the concept of the givers and the givers university because we need more, people particularly now given a lot of the challenges that we as as a society are facing we need not only do we need more leaders to be stepping up and often the greatest leaders are not the ones that have people reporting to them the greatest leaders are the ones that are giving the most without any expectation of anything in return because it's the right thing to do now if you look back on your career there are a number of different um, experiences you've had some of which you probably didn't, and you've already articulated this, you probably didn't understand at the time that was happening as to why it was happening. But through the benefit of hindsight, you recognize, you know what, I was placed in this environment for a very specific reason. And somebody like Sam Robbins was placed in your, in your environment for a very specific reason. And you may not have known at the age of 19 that that was the case, but now you do and look at what you've done now so and the same thing with june and i, I did reference jane before <laughs> so my, my, my mistake it was actually it was actually june and it's a yeah, it's she a was all, she story. was taken she was taken by tarzan so the uh but <laughs> that's the, uh, right uh, you know, so <laughs> but, uh, yeah june martino and 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 there's a, a, a two things i'd like to share if i may in closing with your listeners number one we want them to get the free checklist. So what they should do is go to our website. It's giversuniversity.com, plural, giversuniversity.com. By the way, we are having a huge update done on the website. So if there's no, if they don't see a sign up for the newsletter on there, it may already be on a new site. New site was going to be published. Yep. Um, they can also get on our list by uh, taking a quiz. That's at giversuniversity.info. Mm -hmm. not .com, .info, giversuniversity.info. And there's a seven question quiz, which is I recommend for everyone takes four minutes. 
And the title of the quiz is, what is your givers and takers awareness IQ? And it literally is four minutes, seven questions. Um, and then what happens when they either sign up for our free newsletter, which is absolutely free, or they do the quiz, they're going to get an email that we'll send out right away. Do you want to get communications from them? We're not yep. spammers. Um, I hate that when you sign up for something, you can start getting 10 emails a day from them. Yep. You know, we send out one email a week, mm -hmm. usually on Thursday. And on that one email, we're going to put in there really genuine, helpful hints, tips that they can add to their toolbox and how to discern in their relationships, usable things once a week. Uh, so as soon as they confirm their email, yes, we want you know info from them. They're going to get the first download right away within about five minutes. And that's called, what are the six arrows that takers shoot at givers? It's a great checklist. Um, and then about two or three days later, they're going to get that checklist on the 25 do's. What are the 25 do's? And th that it's a two pager. And it's one of my favorite checklists because it really lays out these are the deeds. And it's a two page checklist. And we have to print it off, put it in their pocket, use it to discern and yep. watch what happens with your life. And, the, from, and from a sales standpoint and from a sales leadership standpoint, the three things I'm about ready to say are the three things that my business mentor convinced me to say to myself every single day. And I have for decades, these three things will influence every one of your salespeople and they should say it to themselves every day. These three things will influence every sales leader listening and they should begin to say it every single day. I can share with you that it worked for me. And these three things are as follows. I will never give up. I will keep rising up and I will always overcome. Wow. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And it's easy to gloss over that sort of stuff. But if we actually listen to that again, I will never, ever give up. I will keep rising up and I will always overcome. Presupposes exactly. that, you know what? We will always find an answer, irrespective of how difficult the circumstances might appear to be right now. And so with that, uh, what, a, what a wonderful way to end what has been a phenomenal conversation. So um, EA, uh, mate, this has been an absolute privilege. Really appreciate you jumping on on this podcast. What you've dropped today is just constant gold uh, and you've taught me something so taught me something new and and from a from somebody who is a voracious learner and i keep learning and my whole philosophy is i've got to learn something new today than i didn't learn yesterday you have just delivered over and above any expectation so my friend from uh from michigan usa i greatly appreciate jumping on the, the podcast and what i'll make sure for all the listeners uh, i'll make sure that in the show notes the, the links to the uh, Gibbers University and all the downloads will be available in the show notes. So I highly, highly encourage you to uh, listen to this over and over again because there is a lot of just drops of gold that's been dropped today. And uh, please, please, uh, please go to, to those university uh, downloads and get, get, all the, get all the gold that's going to keep flowing. So EA, greatly appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. And um, hey, have, a, have an awesome rest of Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, my friend. God bless. Have Thank your you. best, best day ever. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it, 
but also if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.